this moment, you are new. You may have had a really hard day where things just did not go the way you expected them to. And you could feel the stress of that inside you. You could feel the weight of that on your shoulders right now. So what I'd love for you to do is take a slow breath in. And on your exhale, let all of that go. Because every moment is a fresh moment. Every moment is an opportunity to start again. You see, that stuff may have happened then, but you are still here now. That's how you know you're greater than any storm that may have risen. Your spirit is stronger. You are not broken. You are more complete than you could ever know. So let that thought go. You don't need it any longer. And choose to be here now. To be who you are the rising sun hello 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 thank you for joining us at the rising sun this is your host sean elliot russell and it's just going to be me tonight so uh shout out to ray Perez. <laughs> Perez. shout out to ray Perez. hold on let me get my accent on shout out shout out to ray Perez. um tonight let me get these levels adjusted here uh, uh, no a little higher Oh, I can't really hear myself. Oh, there we go. Tonight, we have a very special guest. Her name is Teresa Stern. And let me tell you a little bit about her from the back of the book. And then she's going to introduce herself. She was born in Waco, Texas. Teresa Stern is the youngest of four children. She graduated from the University of Mary Hardin Baylor with a degree in professional studies in 1999 where she lived in Winter Park, Colorado until 2001. And then she came to Brownsville, Texas. And this has been her permanent home since. Mm. For the past 11 years, Teresa has worked for a nonprofit organization called Valley Association for Independent Living, or VAIL, that helps people with disabilities. And she is a published author with Sarah <clears throat> Book Publishing. And she brought me very kindly two books her first one was grocery store alphabet game and the second one just got published uh last week last wednesday last wednesday and it is called the tea party on henry's island and i'm looking forward to reading it Teresa, thank you very much for joining me you're welcome so uh i want to start off if if we can i i read the back but it's it's so much better when it's coming from the person can you tell us a little bit about yourself well, um, I was born and raised in Waco, Texas, um, and then I went to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. I graduated in 1999, and then I went to Winter Park, Colorado. Like, oh, a different place I can get away from Texas. Mm -hmm. Is that the whole reason you picked Colorado? You wanted a little change of pace? Well, I kind of like a guy. He went there a year before uh -huh. I did, and I came out a year later, but he didn't feel the same way about me um. as I felt about him. Oh, so it was a guy mm. that took mm. you out mm. there. That's all right. You know, sometimes mm. the, the other person gets us to where we're supposed mm. to go, and then from there, the things happen that are supposed to happen. So sometimes we need that little carrot, you know, to get us out there. So tell us about your experience out in, out in uh, Winter Park, Colorado. So uh, I was there for two years. Um, I work at a ski resort, so I have um, um, in the ski sc school with the kids. Uh -huh. I them put the, the little ski suit on, their skis on, 
and get them ready for their ski lessons. Nice. I even snowboard and I even ski. You've been snowboarding? I've And ski. I've never been skiing, but I'm more interested in the snowboarding for some reason. It looks like it would be funner, but it also looks like it's harder because you don't really have the balance that you would if you were facing forward. It is hard. I, I tore my knee. I, I had a tremeniska from uh, snowboarding and skiing, so when, while I was up there, I had knee surgery. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, a word of caution if you're going to do it. It looks fun, but be careful. Wow. So what brought you back to, uh, what brought you to Brownsville? See, so what happened, um, my roommate on house caught on fire in Colorado, and so my sister told me, come to El Paso. Mm-hmm. So I only lasted in El Paso for two weeks. She said, oh, I helped you find a job, so-and-so. And then she was moving to um, Alabama at the time. And so um, I was talking to my parents. said, when you come to Brownfield, they came to retire because they wanted to be closer to my sister and the grandchildren. Oh, okay. So you for family is why, yes. is why you came down. Oh, and you've been here ever since. Yes. And when did you start working at the nonprofit uh, Valley Association for Independent Living? I started working there on October 3rd, 2001. Oh, okay. We had a satellite office in Brownsville, mm-hmm. and it lasted till 2005. Then we moved to Harrington, and then it closed in 2011. Then they moved out to the main office. When they get a new executive director, mm-hmm. it go through a lot of changes. So what made you want to work there? What picked? What made you pick this nonprofit organization? Originally, uh, I was volunteering there. Oh. Originally, um, volunteering, I was like a uh, client of Vail. Uh-huh. And so I was doing like some maintenance. Then they wanted me to do like survey, like call people up and like, what do you think of the nonprofit organization from there? It turned into a full-time with uh, independent living specialists. Hmm. And then I switched over to administration, like administration work receptionist, and then now I'm a class assistant. Wow, look at you. So you, you've done multiple things within the organization. Yes. So how about your, your current position now? Do you enjoy it? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm a class uh, assistant, so I work under the social worker, mm-hmm. who is a case manager. So he have a bachelor in social work, a licensed bachelor of social work, mm-hmm. and I work under like case management. So pretty much, I do like a lot of paperwork. Oh wow! Okay. Well, hey, it sounds like you've been a very uh, great asset to this organization. Yes. I'm sure they're very happy to. And I've been you. with them for 14 years. That is. About 13 years longer than I've <laughs> stayed at any job, <laughs> except for my one now. I've, I've been at this job for two years, and that's the longest I've ever been at any job. So 14 years, I can't even imagine that. And I celebrate 14 years on October 3rd. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Because to be able to, to focus on something and stick around that long, it takes a lot of dedication. It really does. I end up getting antsy i feel like i have to leave and try something new and go somewhere else so i i usually leave after probably right at the year mark and i've been at the one i've been at now for two years but i'm starting to get that kind of feeling like it's time to try something else you know but um but i really respect people that are able to stick it through you know for a number of years and really dedicate themselves to an organization so that's very cool so let's get to the matter at hand, shall we? Yes. I have two books in my hand, 
and I'm excited to read the second one. I've read the first one, but I want you to tell the audience, if you would, what what made you become a writer? What was the inspiration? What happened, um, I started writing 20 years ago, and I had a dream. Um, there used to be the OTV British show called The Avengers, and my friend Nancy Cagle said, write it down, write it down, write it down. So I started writing it, and then I was starting to take child development classes at a community college, and uh, watching kids and you know, how they interact. And, oh, this will make a good children's story. So I started writing like little short stories. Oh, and so it all started from there. Yes. Just, just jotting that. It seems like that's the common thread among among writers. You just all of a sudden you have these little stories and you start jotting them down on napkins or phones. Now that we can write in our phones, right? And a lot of people type in their phones. And then before you know it, you end up uh, you end up writing a book. Well, back then it was like paper and pen, right. and then my friend had a typewriter, or I bought myself a computer at a pawn shop, and I kept it at her house, so she typed it up for me. Oh, that's good. Do you still have those uh, pieces of paper? Do you still have what she yeah, typed Yeah, I up? do have the original stories, wow. but when the book got published, I packed everything in a box and put the original story in the box. Oh, okay. All right. So how about this one? Where did your inspiration for this one, uh, the grocery store alphabet game? I think from? it came from like a food dictionary. You know how you get like a food dictionary and have A to Z, uh-huh. and they talk about different food. Like, why not make an ABC story out of it, and then have a um, little girl interact with their mother, and they go up and down the aisle, and they name something they talk with an A or a B, and they tell like a little story. So it kind of have a Norman Rockwell feel to it. Oh, that's very specific. Awesome. Yeah, I'm flipping through it right now, and I had read it before when I met you at uh, Levi Salinas's uh, Fujication. Yes. Um, which is a wonderful event for our listeners. If you don't know about it, it's a great event that happens the last Sunday of every month. It's at Cine Ray, and she shows uh, she shows a film that has to do with with nutrition or eating eating more healthy, or a warning against things that aren't so healthy. And then she has vendors out there, and they have food or other things that are related to food. And I'm guessing because your book is related to food. Yes. That's why it fit perfectly. So we had a chance to meet about a month ago, I would say, maybe a little over yes. a month ago. Um, and this seems like a really great book for children to learn the ABCs by associating them with foods. Yes. Because I, I, during the day, I'm a child uh, occupational therapy assistant at a pediatric clinic and one of the things that I'm learning to do if the kid uh, if the child if the patient needs to learn a letter and they're just having a hard time remembering the letter depending on who the child is I have one uh, little boy that loves superheroes so he knows B the letter B because he loves Batman so it makes it more interesting rather than just saying okay remember B and he's never going to remember that. But if I say B is for Batman, the next time I ask him, he, he remembers B. So this seems like a really great way for kids to be able to do that because kids know what lettuce is or jelly. Mm-hmm. Kids know what jelly and is. And it's good for children with disability or without disability and adults. Um, good for people who have autism or intellectual disability or Alzheimer's. Yeah, it seems it seems like it could reach a good number of people. And one of our board members, um, Tom, he was looking at it. He, he likes the color. Okay, he said it's good for 
children with disability to see the colors. Right, right. And it's short enough. It's only 57 pages. Um, and the writing is large, so that way, you know, kids can read it easily. People with vision problems can read it easily. And like you said, people with disabilities uh, that are learning to read could, could definitely read And we this. just show food, and if, some, if somebody who are hearing impaired or deaf, they could do sign language back and forth. Yeah, this is, a, this is a really great book. So where can people purchase this book? They could go to Sarah Book Publishing and Amazon.com. Oh, okay. Uh, do you sell this anywhere else? I know I saw you at the Fujication event. Do you go to many events like that to to uh, sell your books or at least promote I them? I usually um, get the books and I give it as um, promotion. Uh-huh. But usually if they want to buy the books, they can go to uh, Sarah Book um, Publishing. They also have Sarah Book Society. And if they join Sarah Book Society, they get a 20% discount. Oh, wonderful. Or they could go to Amazon.com. Is Sarah Book Publishing a local publisher? In Harlingen, Texas. In Harlingen. And all the books are printing in Brownsville. Oh, wonderful. So is it is it mostly a children's book uh, uh, they publisher? Do, they or? do novels, they do children, they do cookbook, uh, they international, they even publish um, book from people from England. Wow. Um, I've seen Denmark, from other countries. So how did you end up being a published author with Sarah Book Publishing. Okay, it started with my friend uh, Lapita. She had a friend named Vanessa that got a book um, published through Sarah Book Publishing and she was on her Facebook page. So I contacted Vanessa. I spoke to Vanessa a little bit and she gave me the information for Sarah Book and I called him up. I have a book. It's an ABC book. I want to bring it in. I want to get it published. So I went in. I gave them the CD and then two days later they contact me, oh, we're publishing your book. Oh, that's wonderful. Wow, what a success story. So you just felt like you should go in, yes. present the book, and the next thing you know, you're a I had a good author. feeling, like, they're going to publish my book. I tell my friend Jeanette, they're going to publish my book. <laughs> that's a good feeling when that happens. It feels it's confirmation, you know, that, that little instinct that we get. Like, I think I should do this. Something just feels right And this is this. the first publisher company. Wow. This is the first one that you took the book to. Yes. And before that, um, sometime back, we I can't remember. Um, they had like the children um, artisting. You go to there and they have a lot of publisher company mm. in there. Yeah. And then we picked one. And I remember I sent them a sample and picture. And one publisher company, sorry, we're not publishing ABC books at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then 20 years later or so many years later, I said, oh, somebody would tell me about Sarah, like, let me try it again. I figure it wouldn't hurt. Maybe I get rejected. Maybe I wouldn't. But I surprised I didn't get rejected. So you had submitted to them before? Not Sarah, but publishing, but, but a different one. publisher I company. I got you. Wow. And it didn't get rejected. Did you have that feeling? Now, here's a good question. Did you have that feeling the first time you submitted it? Or were you just kind of flipping through seeing that maybe I should submit a story? Well, the first time I was flipping around like, okay, we just, at the time they wanted, um, I sent a sample drawing and a sample of the story. Uh And if they like it, you send a full manuscript. Mm -hmm. And that was one time. And then I put it to the side. I went to college and I went to Colorado. I was writing poetry. And then when I was here, I said, 
when I turned 40, like, what have I done with my life? I like thinking back in the past, like, I wrote stories. So I went back and got all my story out and like rewriting it and changing it, updating it. And like, okay, now I need to find a publisher company. And then when Lapita told me about Vanessa, who got her book published through Cerebral Publishing, and I contacted Cerebral Publishing, I was speaking to them and said, come on in. So I set an appointment and came in and showed them my manuscript. That's wonderful. So now you are an official Sarah book publishing author. Yes. And once you get the first book published, it's easy to at least have a door open or get your foot in the door to present them the second one. So how did the tea party on Henry's Island come about? Well, the same time in the early 90s, um, I'd taken child development courses and we was observing some children and they were playing tea party and dress out, oh, this would make a good story. So it started with like a three-page short story took place in the daycare and all that. And then 20 years later, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put it in a vintage shop. I went to a lot of vintage shop and tea rooms and changed it to like updated because now, tea, um, tea room is really popular and also vintage shop. Yeah, vintage shops are very popular. Very and then tea room. Cause a lot of people, they like to dress up, they wear the hat. They want to be Downton Abbey. <laughs> so. I, I didn't know tea rooms are popular now, but I guess I, I probably wouldn't know that because I don't get out much. <laughs> a lot of people go to, they kind of like... Um, we used to have a place in Waco, Crystal Palace, and they used to have, I think it was a tea room and then an antique shop. And then they have one in where I live, they have like a tea room venture shop, and then tea with friends, now they, they used to be in Edinburgh, now they're in Wexico. So it's a tea room and venture shop, and same thing with uh, uh, tea between friends. So it's a tea room and vintage shop yes. in the same place. Yeah, they have like wow. different area you could go in. They have people they, it like sort of like consignment. They put like a booth and they sell different stuffs. Right, right. What a great idea! So you can go in, buy some vintage clothing, which is going to look, what I picture in my head when I think of a tea, like a tea party, is you're wearing some, some vintage clothing. You're wearing something that would have been like Victorian or something that's. For girls, it would be kind of like lacy, I guess, or something. And corset. And, and a corset, yeah. So you can actually go to this place, buy those clothes, and then sit down and have a legitimate tea party. Yes. In the 21st century. That is awesome. Wow. So that's where the idea of this came. Now, how long did it take you to write this? Because this, in in since our listeners can't see this, mm-hmm. in comparison, this is an actual story. Th- yes. Where it seems like this is more catered to, and I'm talking about the tea party on Henry's Island, where it seems like a grocery store alphabet game is more of a small story happening within each letter. Yes. But this is just one complete story, it seems like. So how long did it take you to write this story? I've been working on it on and off since 2013 mm. when I refitted the story, and then I'm doing a lot of research. I went to like tea room and vintage shop. And I spoke to people on Facebook. I contact um, Tea Room in England and spoke to tea etiquettes. Wow. Like the proper way the spoon should be on the saucer. Um, 
you know, manner, profit, and watch a lot of YouTube videos. So when you read this, tea, the tea party on Henry's Island, it's not just a story about a tea party. This is like you're immersing yourself in an actual tea party that has the uh, the correct mannerisms. Yes. Probably the correct vocabulary that you would use in these situations. Even the right uh, silverware to use and what side it's going to be on. So you really did your research for this. So yes. in reading this, I'm not only going to enjoy the story, but I'm also going to learn a lot about a tea party. And tea etiquette. And tea etiquette. Wow. Uh, can you give us, without giving any spoilers away in the story, can you give us a basic synopsis of the story? I see it on the back here, but I, I'd like to hear it from really, you. Really, it's about um, grandfather who take his granddaughter and her friend to a vintage shop and tea room. Because he grew up in Maryport, England, and he wanted her to experience the tea party and the tea like what he did as a child. Oh, okay. So it's about their adventure of doing yes. that. Wow. And it's all about fun and dress up and stuff. So um, my inspiration was pretty much more on the Alice in Wonderland and the Secret, and the Secret Garden. Oh, the Secret Garden. That's so funny you mentioned that. I had never read the book or seen the movie, but I li literally just watched the movie last night. The I Secret Garden. I have seen the movie now. I'm just starting to read the book on Kindle. It's a wonderful movie. It's. A, I guess there's a couple versions. The one that I saw last night mm -hmm. was from 1993. And that the one that they filmed at Highclere Castle, uh, where they filmed Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. It, it was a wonderful story. I had no idea what to expect. I knew nothing what it was about, but um, I could very much relate to different characters in the story, or at least to relate to where they were coming from, especially the little boy. And it's a real, if, if uh, the listeners, if you guys haven't um, seen the movie or, or read the book, there's a little boy in in the story, and he's, I guess, kind of the main character of the story, and he's sickly. He's, you know, stuck in a room and he's being cared for. And he really thinks that he's on the verge of death. And I'm not sure, I didn't get from the movie how old he was exactly. But if I had to guess, I would say he's maybe 12 or 13, probably around there. He's definitely mm -hmm. early teens. Um, or maybe even maybe even younger. He might even be around 10 or 11. I think 10, I'm married about 10. Okay, so, so 10, that makes it even more I think sense. they were cousins. Yeah, they were they were definitely cousins. I, I uh, remember that part, but I could relate to it because it speaks to the power of belief. And I don't want to give anything away, mm -hmm. but it definitely speaks to the power of belief and what that can do, um, how that can affect everything, including ourselves. So it's funny that you mentioned that. That I I love synchronicities. I had never heard of that story or that movie until I watched it last night, and then you mentioned it. So, and then you mention it in conjunction with your wonderful book. Yes. So I'm very much looking forward to reading this. So did you take this manuscript into Sarah Book Publishing to consider, or were they already waiting for another book from you? Um, no, I took it into consideration. I took it over there, but I wasn't too sure. Cause sometimes when you, um, if you get the first public, book published, it doesn't necessarily you're going to get a second book published. Mm -hmm. But it... Um, they just depend on the story and how much they like the book. Right. And it looks like they loved it because I'm holding a copy of it right now. In my own uh, experience with my own book, it 
still amazes me that at one point it didn't exist anywhere that I could touch. It was just all thinking. It was all in my mind. And now I can hold a book. Does that have the same effect on you as well? Yeah, it kind of eerie like just in my book and I have my name on it and a picture on the back. Right. And it didn't exist, you know, mm. not even a couple months prior maybe or no. six months prior to holding it. And you say you've been working on the story for a while, but just to see it all come together with the illustrations and the binding and you could flip through the pages, there's just something magical about being able to take a story that was in your mind and now read it on a piece of paper in a book. There's something magical about that that really <laughs> trips me out every time I think about it. So, and this one is also available on sarahbookpublishing.com, it looks like. Yes, and amazon.com. And Amazon. And both books, it has a price on the back, both books are very affordable. They're only nine ninety-five. And if you have Prime through Amazon, you get free shipping. And you get the and free shipping. And if you shipping. go to Sarah Book Publishing and join Sarah Book Society, uh-huh. um, you get a 20% discount. Wow. Okay. So 20% discount, that's two bucks off. Pretty yes. Much. Wow, that's wonderful. This is wonderful. So thank you so much for bringing these to me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So I'm not letting you go yet. We still have another three minutes to speak. <laughs> um, there's going to be a book fair coming up. And I, I was asking you earlier, are you going to be at that? Or is that something you're going to mention to Sarah Book Publishing so I'll people probably, can actually I'll come out and meet you? I'll probably mention it to Sarah Book Publishing. This would be good for other authors to come in and join the um, book festival. Right. But we are going to have um, the Sarah Book Publishing Annual Fair on November 5th. And I think from 10 to 2, you're going to be in the Harnsham Medical Center. Oh, okay. It's on a Saturday. All right. And it's, is it going to be all of Sarah Book Publishing's authors? Correct. Or, and it's a book fair? Yes. So they're going to have all the books that they've published, and you will be there, I'm guessing? Yes. And so people can come down and meet you and speak with you, and you can tell them about your books and actually hold the books, see the books, flip and through the books. And get an autograph. And get an autograph. And you were nice enough to autograph my copies, and I very much appreciate that. Thank you very, very, very much. These are going right on my bookshelf after I'm done reading them. So at this time, we do something on the show called Soul Call. And what it involves is we say one thing that we're grateful for and we say one thing that we aspire to or one uh one thing we want to work towards the the exact intention (laughs) i couldn't remember the word so one thing we're grateful for and one intention from this point forth so i'll give you the choice do you want to start or do you want me to start when you start okay i'll start this one i'm grateful Uh, that you are here I'm grateful that you have chosen to not only share your talents and share your stories with everybody because I think that's very important I think the way that we inspire hope in others is by sharing our journeys and our stories and striking the imagination in other people Um, but I'm also grateful that you have chosen to spend 14 years at Vail, the Valley Association for Independent Living, helping others uh, with disabilities, helping them live independently. Because I think that's that's one of the things that we long for, is that kind of freedom. So I'm very grateful for that. And uh, my intention for this week is, as it always is, 
to continue to live from a place of spirit, uh, a place of consciousness, a place of I am, a place of being. So that's that's mine. You're up. I'm very grateful I had two books published. I'm very grateful that I've been at um, Bell for 14 years and working with people with disability. With me, I have a disability, so I can relate to other people with disabilities and tell them my testimony. And my intention is, hopefully, to continue writing during my spare time, keep on putting stories out. And there you go. That's beautiful. So at this time, everybody, this is when the lights get low and the music gets brought up and I try to leave you with an inspirational message. <laughs> As you just heard Teresa say, she too is somebody with a disability. And yet, she moved to Winter Park, Colorado. She graduated with a degree in professional studies. She's worked 14 years helping other people with disabilities. And she has published two books. If that doesn't let you know that anything's possible, I don't know what will. Follow her lead, believe in yourself, and wonders can be accomplished. Until next time.